Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Second hour of Clay and Buck gets going right now. And we have a special guest joining us, the one and only Ann Coulter. She is, of course, the author of 13 New York Times bestsellers and has a substack and a syndicated column. So subscribe to Ann Substack for uh, video content and her column there. Ms. Coulter, I hear from a little a little voice in the background that uh, it is your birthday. So happy birthday, first and foremost to you. Thank you. Yes, that's because I tell everyone weeks in advance. <laughs> so we're, we're pleased to be part of your of your celebration today. So, Ann, um, I wanted to ask you, you know, we have these stories going on every day now it seems at least you know fox is covering it clay and i talk about it the border is so bad and so dystopian when it comes to lawlessness constant illegal crossings and and it's all really well i shouldn't say all but it's primarily through asylum requests right so it's not even oh if only we would catch these people they're turning themselves in in huge numbers and saying i want asylum none of them are going to get asylum but they're pretending like that's this is the whole scam. Then they get led into the country. They stay. They don't get no one gets deported basically under Biden. I thought this would be a bigger issue in the midterms. Why don't people care more about this? Do they care more about this? What do you think? Oh, it's a huge vote getter. Um, it's, it's a problem, though, getting Republican politicians to talk about immigration. Uh, because, as, as you've heard me banging on about for years, the donors want the cheap labor. They want open borders the same way the left does. And they got politicians' ears. I mean, that's what was so great about Trump's 2016 campaign. Once the campaign was over and he won the election, everything he was ever going to accomplish had been accomplished. And that was just showing um, politicians, I don't care if they're Republican or Democrat, the country, ordinary voters, not the ones who have billion dollar lobbyists in Washington, are desperate 
for 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 there to be a wall on the border, for illegal aliens to be deported, for there to be fewer legal immigrants coming in. I mean, year after year after year, Americans are polled on this. Do you want more immigration? The same, less immigration. They keep saying less, and the politicians keep giving us more. Um, so, yeah, of course it's a huge issue. The other reason um, it didn't really come up much in the midterms um, was that um, the the man who who's accomplished everything he was going to accomplish as of election night 2016 demanded that all these Republican candidates um, make, make the stolen 2020 election their their number one issue. Now, I mean, clearly the midterms were crushed by Donald Trump. And, oh, speaking of which, I won my bet with um, Clay Travis. Please remind him of that. Wait, what um, was the bet? I forget. Which I, one I don't was know. this? This is a new phone. Who's this? I'm not, I'm not even sure who we're talking about. <laughs> what is the, what, the Herschel bet? Is this the Herschel bet? Oh, it was bet? Herschel Walker. Yeah, yeah, it was Herschel Walker. I remember. I owe you. I owe you a stake. I, I told Buck as we finished the first hour. I was like, I think I lost a big bet to Ann, but maybe she won't remember. And and, and can I can I ask you? You know, I put out a poll. I was just curious. I put out a poll on Twitter, and it got like sixty thousand votes, which it's not scientific, but a lot of people weighed in. Um, and and it was about responsibility for uh what happened specifically in Georgia. And I put Herschel Walker, Donald Trump, Mitch McConnell, or just write in basically. A lot of people wrote in Who with was different the most things. Responsible to be fair. for the loss was the question. Like yes, those were the responsible for, Yeah, responsible for the loss. Is that what yeah. Responsible for the loss in Georgia. Uh, what is, do, do, how much does leadership really matter? I mean we had Kevin McCarthy on the show yesterday. I get more angry emails about Mitch McConnell probably than anyone else in American like more than you know Nancy Pelosi or you name it. Is that the problem? Does it make a big difference? How do you see all that? Well, coincidentally, I wrote about it in my column this week. Uh, It went up yesterday morning. Um, No, there's no question. Trump is 100 percent responsible for Herschel Walker. I I mean, it wasn't like it was Herschel's lifelong dream to run for Senate in March uh, 2021. It was Trump who put out a statement. Um, oh, Herschel would be the best. He should run for the Senate. He'll take the he'll be unstoppable just as he was on the football field for my U.S. football league. Run, Herschel, run. Um, and why? Why did he think why did Trump think that Herschel Walker would be a fantastic candidate? Uh, <laughs> everyone knowing he had, you know, a string of illegitimate children throughout the South. Look, he's a fine guy. I, I did everything I could, by the way, to lose that bet. Clay Travis. I was I was promoting Herschel. Um, obviously, he's better than than any Democrat. But why are you putting up problematic candidates? Oh yeah, because he was on Celebrity Apprentice and played for Trump's defunct football league. That's how Trump picks candidates. So yeah, Clay, so we're going to be taking some incoming bombs on this one. Go ahead, sir. No, look. I mean, I worked hard, and, and we'll have to. I will take you out to dinner. Buck will probably be involved, too, uh, because I definitely lost. I worked as hard as I could for Herschel to win. Same thing as you did, Ann. I wanted him to win desperately. I was pretty crushed. I'm not going to lie that we lost Georgia, uh, that we lost Nevada, that we lost Arizona, that many of those candidates did. I think the fact that Fetterman won is maybe the biggest indictment of the American electorate that I have seen in some time and also a further endorsement of the fact that if you have a D beside your name, 
unlike Republicans, Democrats just show up and vote party line because a lot of Republicans split their ticket. You know, uh, uh, Brian Kemp won by seven and a half points over Stacey Abrams, who was a well-funded candidate. Every other Republican won in the state of Georgia other yes. than Herschel. Uh, but Republicans, yes. they lost because they, they switched their votes. So Buck made a good point. Uh, and I gave you credit for this a Wait couple a minute, weeks I ago. Wait a minute, I disagree with yeah. everything you just said. Okay, okay, you disagree with everything. All right. Wait, but, it, I, it, but I made a good point, so can no, we remember the good point and then Ann disagrees? Yeah, <laughs> All right, you disagreed with everything I just said. Tell me what you disagree you, with. I mean, clearly it was the candidate. Your own facts say that. Yeah, Kemp won. Um, um, sorry, governor of, of Georgia, Brian Kemp, whom and the secretary of state, um, Brad Raffensperger, ever you say his name, who are the two Republicans Trump hates more than any other in the entire nation. He spent money primarying the Republican governor of, of Georgia and the Republican governor of Georgia won that primary by 50 points. Yes. The voters are trying to tell us we are done with, with Trump. We are well, what done I'm with saying, Yes, and and I think we're agreeing. What I'm saying is Republican voters. It was 100 percent Trump again because. He was he was encouraged. It was one of it was Mastriano, the guy running for governor. He was a nut. His number one issue was, as Trump recommended, as he insisted and pressured Republicans to say, the stolen election. Mastriano was at the Capitol on January 6th. He wanted to try women for murder, for having abortions. You're going to run candidates like that. No, Oz could have won that. Mastriano dragged him down. Okay, so we agree on some of that. I guess what I'm saying is it's Republicans in many of these states splitting their tickets that actually cost Republican candidates, right? Because no, it's re- Trump. It's Trump. Okay, it's so Trump. your but your your analysis is that Trump is causing that to happen. So what I was going to build All on the Republicans here is Republicans in Georgia won. Yeah, they're not I get it. splitting I, their tickets for governors, or attorney general, secretary of state. But if you're going to keep pushing the ideas of this narcissistic moron infant yeah we're got, republicans are going to keep saying please just send us a normal republican please please and by the way i was shocked at how well um despite my bet with you i was rooting like mad for herschel walker uh, and i thought that republican voters you know god bless them they kept trump away this time um and and kemp the, the popular governor of georgia campaigned for herschel I thought it was going to be 45-55. It was really close. So I don't think you can blame Republican voters in Georgia. They came out and voted for the Republican, even though it was not – he was an imperfect candidate. Let's put it that way. Okay, so what I was going to say – by the way, just bombs in every direction. I was going to say, we got to call this segment with N, bombs away, or like get into the bunker. (laughs) <laughs> which I respect, uh, throwing throwing bombs here. Buck had a, a thesis, I think he gave you credit for it, um, that the reason why the politically correct era in the 90s ended was because O.J. was found not guilty. Yes. We, and we, that we, was, I did give her credit because we sent her the clip. Yes, that's right. Um, so how do we break the woke virus in the United States? One of the reasons why I was so crushed by both 2020's outcome and 2022, and is it felt like a perfect time to destroy the uh, Democrat Party for their woke virus, and yet they continue to win, and the woke virus gets crazier and crazier. How do does it end? How do we lance this boil? How do we rid the body politic of this absurd woke virus? 
Yeah, it's funny. I've been thinking the exact same thing. That is the thesis of my book, Mug. Um, and I go through just rampant crime, much like we're going through right now. Um, in 70s, 80s, we come upon the 90s. And if you were alive during the OJ verdict, you will remember this. There was, there was a moment when, when OJ was found not guilty and black Americans throughout America, Howard University, um, you, you know, fast food places, historically black colleges across the country cheered, cheered. Everyone has seen the trial or enough of it to know that that O.J. was was in fact guilty, um, cut off cut off his ex-wife's head and killed Ron Goldman. And to see black people cheering the the acquittal of I, I mean, I think O.J. is hilarious on Twitter. I don't know if you follow him on Twitter. Oh, I do. Um, and and to, to cut you in here. But, do you know that there are tons of 20-something girls sleeping with O.J. now in Las Vegas? I have friends out there. He goes out all the time, and girls just throw themselves at him, many of whom were born after the double murder. Well, other than the double m- murder, he's a pretty cool cat. <laughs> yeah, he is pretty entertaining on Twitter. And that woke America up. It used to be exactly the way it is now, the wokeness the way it is now. Um, you know, you'd constantly have these blowhards that, well, I think the problem in America is is the, the systemic r- racism. That phrase didn't exist yet. But, oh, it's white racism. And, and that's when it was the greatest thing that ever happened to black Americans. Because it was just like, as I say in the book, it was like a subway card that didn't work anymore, pulling this racism BS. And I've been wondering what 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 is it going to be? Is it going to be <laughs> maybe this Brittany Griner trade today? Um, but if you want to stop losing, um, because it really did suck, this should have been a red wave year. This should have been a red tsunami wave. Yep. You have to start telling the truth to your listeners that Trump is a big fat loser. He lost 40 seats in the House for us in 2008. He lost the election, his own election in 2020. When there was a red wave across the country. Well, Ann and I still have, we have a stake bet because I think Trump is still going to be the nominee. (laughs) So I think we're going to be in a very. So so I I guess the question is. truth to your listeners. Well, look, I mean, I think we're going to have a big. Trump is. Mm. Oh, I think man. we're going to have we're... a big battle in 2023, and I think it's going to be between DeSantis be and Trump. Battle. Trump is so dumb, but you are ginning up these these few and far between dead enders. Did you see that president? We're not ginning up anybody. <laughs> is... I, I think it's going to be Trump versus DeSantis. You're telling them they're part of a large group. No, they're not. No, they're not. They're, they're they're slightly bigger than QAnon. Oh God! Well, well, this well, this very large group is actually going to be sending us emails for the next two days about how you know that 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 they're. I, I will say I will say this. I let me just say this. I think that Buck and I are going to provide a form, and this is important for a real debate about what the future of the Republican Party should be, and it's going to be like. Everybody gloves off throwing punches. And what I respect about Anne is she doesn't tiptoe up. She's not pretending to tell you what exactly she thinks. And I think this is the real conversation. This is why, like, people who think when DeSantis and Trump, if it happens, get into a ring, that it's going to be a really nice, 
well-organized boxing match. No, it's going to get ugly. They're going to throw it's, off it's, their, it's gonna their gloves, rough. and they are going to try to gouge each other's eyes out, and you have to, everybody out there listening, has to get ready for yeah. that. It ain't going to be a genteel affair. And to be fair, Ms. Coulter, we call a lot more balls and strikes here on the Trumpster than <laughs> a lot of the other folks in the radio well, world, yeah, I will tell you. you. Are Congratulations. <laughs> well, just saying, it's, <laughs> it is true that we actually were willing to say. Kellyanne Conway. <laughs> <laughs> I, I All I heard is Kellyanne Conway. not something to brag about. <laughs> so how does this play out then, Ann, in your mind? you don't. You, Buck and I have bet. I think we both have stake bets on this. I've already lost a stake yeah. bet to the extent that I have because I said Herschel was going to win. I really thought he was. Um, how does this play out in 23 in your mind? Um, I think there are so few people who are still supporting Trump though they turn, tune into Fox News and your radio show and think they're part of some large group. No, they're pathetic deadheads following him around. Look at the pictures from his presidential announcement address. Look, I, I'm sure they. I feel about them the way I feel about Jimmy Swaggart followers. Probably the followers were lovely people, but I have about ten more minutes of patience with them. They have got to wake up. You oh no, we got we got to bring along the all the all the, the this the Trump, Trump voters are our family, and we got to all mobilize together here. But and we actually are at time, so we want to say happy birthday, and people can. Right and at her substack. Can I say uh, one more thing very quickly? I we literally have like 20 right seconds, but yeah. Right after he announced 2015, introducing him. I don't know anyone who supported him in 2015. We still support them now. No, these are all the Johnny-come-latelys. We supported him for the issues, and he betrayed us. Okay, check out Ed Coulter's Substack, everybody. <laughs> I love the flamethrower. I love the flamethrower, Buck. We should open up phone call. We should open up phone lines at this point. Okay, Sometimes we have the, phone- the lines are already <laughs> all lit, Clay. So thank you, Ann. Okay, we're good. That's good. I mean, I still think Trump's going to be the nominee, and we're going to throw everything we have behind him. And I think, and I think that Trump brings a lot to the table that nobody else does. But uh, Ann is unhappy with the way the midterms went, and I, I understand that's a, that's a part of it. Anyway, yeah, the phones are exploding. 800-282-2882. Big tent, big conversation here. And uh, let's talk about something else for a second. Cyber thieves. We could all agree we don't like cyber thieves. Agreed. So many people these days are buying gifts online. They're putting all of the information out there. They're buying airline tickets, putting their credit card out there, and hoping that the data doesn't get stolen. But there are cyber hackers online who plant malware and work harder than ever to create a data breach. They can obtain hundreds of thousands of online records and maybe yours in the process. There's virtually no way to protect yourself without help. That help comes from LifeLock. Their online identity theft protection scans the web looking for evidence that your information is being used by someone other than you and without your permission. When they see it, LifeLock is immediately in touch with you. If you become a victim of identity theft, LifeLock will work to fix it. They do that by assigning you a restoration specialist who can help you sort out the mess and restore your good name. Now, no one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but it's easy to help protect yourself with LifeLock. Join now. Save up a 25% off your first year with promo code BUCK. Call 1-800-LIFELOCK or head to LifeLock.com. Use promo code BUCK for 25% off. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny. 
the warmth of Fredo and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose Podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my, from this idea of what, do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast juicy. would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Whew. Welcome back, everybody, to Clay and Buck. So we just had on uh, Ann Coulter to have a discussion. Well, actually, I want to talk to you about immigration and crime. It turned into let, let's put all the cards on the table. Let, let's let's actually just lay this out for everybody. There's a lot of back and forth right now. I hear it all the time. I was at a dinner last night with 20 rock solid Republicans down here in uh, in Florida. And we actually did, just for fun, we did a straw poll. And the straw poll came out pretty close to even between DeSantis and Trump. As in, yep. who, it wasn't who they want, it was who they think, to be fair. Who they think will be the, uh, the nominee. So I sit here and I say to myself, okay, this is going on all over the place. Every person that I know who cares about politics right now, Clay and I are talking about this, texting each other, updates, who's saying what, how are things going, who is going to lead this party going forward? And I'm going to say this, anyone who thinks that they know for sure, as in they can predict the future of who I think is mistaken. I think it's very possible it's Trump. I think it's very possible it's DeSantis. I think it's also, you know, it's a crazy world we live in, and we're not going to know 
for at least another six months or so who the Republican nominee is even likely to be um, based on actual polling that's going on. And, you know, six months, give or take. I'm just pulling it out of thin air. But so we wanted to bring it on here and and allow somebody who keep in mind and for people who are saying, because I know we're going to these emails, they'll say, hey, you guys have a duty and obligation in the house that Rush built. And I always say, yeah, we absolutely do. And that's to have a conversation that brings in people within the party. First of all, Ann and Rush were very close friends. I don't know. I think some folks know that or they were close friends for many years. Um, and Ann obviously wrote a book in Trump We Trust and was one of his earliest supporters earliest supporters and then turned on him as a result of what he did uh, in office now i could have sit here it's hard in, in radio i don't want to sit here and argue he was right though on china and china trade policy like you can't just leave all that he was right on. I, I, I don't even want to get into all the things you'd say because if we had another voice you people would say what about the booming economy that trump had what about the deregulation that trump had what about the u.s mexico canada trade agreement what about dealing with china what about no new war what about the best border control we've seen in two decades that has to be a part of the conversation but there are people who have substantial followings right now in the world of conservatism clay who are having this discussion as to who should be the leader of the party and we i think have to have a forum for people within that family on the right to discuss what the direction, what the future is. If we only serve one side of that discussion, we're not saying we're taking sides here. If we only serve one side of that discussion, I think we do a disservice. I think this show is a big public forum for people who are conservative, for people who are libertarian, for people who frankly may be left leaning in the past but have come over because of the authoritarianism that they have seen in the wake of COVID and also what happened to Brett Kavanaugh and all those things. And I think if we pretend that this is not going to be, as I said, when Ann was on, this is going to be a nasty eye gouging, uh, rolling around in the mud battle over who is the nominee in 2024. This is not going to be some situation where Trump clears the field like it was in 2020 and you and me and Buck and everybody out there said, hey, we're all in for Trump. And, and, I think there's going to be a lot of divisions. And I, I want to throw this discord. in there, too. Would Trump have even been Trump without having to go through that primary and defeat people that, by the way, we have on the show and we think are, you know, Ted Cruz, a fantastic senator and, and a really good American. And you and I both like him. You know, Marco Rubio is doing a really good job in Florida. Trump had to beat those individuals. Yeah. It got a little nasty sometimes. But by the time Trump made his way through that primary... He was a you know a well-oiled machine going up against Hillary Clinton, so it's likely there's going to be some kind of a primary here. We want to hear from folks on this one, um, and we want to hear voices that aren't just going with whatever. I mean, when I say voices, bring on guests that aren't just going with whatever they think the consensus is at any one point in time. You can um, agree or disagree with Dan uh, Buck uh, with with Ann. With Ann, she's super <laughs> yeah. smart. She's super smart, and she represents. A segment of the Republican base. I'm going to tell you, there are a lot of yeah, there are a lot of people that want it to be DeSantis. I'm just going to tell everybody out there right now, but they're scared of upsetting the Trump supporters that are their friends that they love. That's out there. That's out there, and you see this reflected in polls. Percent accurate. And by the way, your I think your point about being out to dinner. You were with 20 people last night in Florida, and you basically did a straw poll. Uh, I'm I'm having the same kind of straw polls all the time when I'm out to dinner. Number one question that people in media, and I think Republicans are talking about privately, is 
You team uh, Trump or you team DeSantis. Now, look, DeSantis hasn't even answered, uh, announced yet. And, and he may not. And he may, he may decide that he's not going to do it. I think he's going to run. I think you think, Buck, he's going to run. Yes. But until he's officially in the battle, that's not a definite. But all of you out there listening right now may well have to make this decision. So we have got loaded lines. We yeah, will we are, take we are wrapped calls. and stacked here. Yes. Uh, and let's see who's up first. Let's go to uh, hold on. I'm going to pull up the other. Let's do Bill in North Carolina. Bill in North Carolina starts it off. Yeah. Let's see what Bill has to say. Go for it, Bill. Hey, guys. How you doing? We're good. Hey, I just, you know, listening to Ann Coulter, having been a fan for a very long time, going back to her first books about the Clinton administration. I think Ann needs to do a little soul searching on who she has aligned herself with on the never Trump side. For the record, I was a Cruz guy in 16, broke my heart when, when he didn't get the nod. But, Buck, you just, you just pretty eloquently laid out Trump's accomplishments. I think conservatives have for a very, very long time wanted someone, Reagan-esque type, who was the counterpuncher Trump was. The, the Rockefeller wing of the Republicans gave us 40 years in the wilderness. And Trump was completely unafraid of opposition, yep. of the media, of, of anything and everything that was thrown at him. So if, if Anne is comfortable aligning herself with the Lincoln Project, the National Review, the... the no, 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 hold on. Can I, I, can I say something, fair, Bill? Because you're eloquent. She would, yeah, yeah you're, you're eloquent on this issue, and we appreciate you, you know, weighing in on what everything you've said. I just to be clear, there are people that became so anti-Trump that they abandoned the right. Anne is not one of those people. She's just anti-Trump. She doesn't she doesn't go on CNN and do the whole, oh, everybody should go vote for uh, Raphael Warnock or whatever. We've seen a lot of never Trump. Yeah. So just just now I'm not saying you're necessarily saying that, but I'm saying there are some people on the right who haven't sold out their principles. They just don't think Trump is the future. But um, I, I think, look, on the counterpuncher point, your Trump had that in a way that we've ne- we haven't seen anybody on the Republican side r- really in my lifetime. Trump is fearless. And that is what attracts you and me and many people to him. That doesn't mean that Trump is infallible or that he deserves to not have to win the 2024. And I think, Buck, you made a good point. Trump wouldn't have been Trump if he didn't go through the 18 or 19 contenders in 2016 and effectively fillet them right. on he a earned national it. stage. He earned yes. it, right? That's the point. He earned it in a way, you know, he was boxing, and he had to beat the stepping stones or whatever to get to the the actual Brady, title fight. Tom Brady doesn't get to go to the Super Bowl every year, even though he's the greatest quarterback of all time. He still has to go through all the contenders every year to get to the Super now, Bowl now, and win. We know that the lines and the – by the way, if you want to send us an email right away, we're reading those emails, become a VIP at clayandbuck.com. Now's a good time if you want to cut right through. Clayandbuck.com, VIP emails if you become a subscriber. David in South Carolina. David, what do you got for us? Hey, guys. Yeah, I just uh, – tired of hearing about these people immediately they're going to blame trump i i blame the republican establishment uh especially mitch, mitch mcconnell there's no leadership in the senate um and uh you're talking about blaming him for 20 sorry to cut you off david you're talking about blaming them for 2022 for the, midterms, the results midterms. yeah 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 i mean these guys should have been there's no leadership in the senate they should have been there in georgia they should have had all these guys there pushing they were late on everything the 
financing was going in the wrong place, pulling financing on these things. And if he would have won, he would have given himself credit, the leadership. The redistricting killed us. Uh, I, I don't think they fought hard enough. The establishment, the governors in these states that killed us. We had so many House races that were close that we lost, and we still got seats, so we did all right. But to, to come at Trump, it's the same thing. Mitch McConnell opposed you know, Reagan back then, the Tea Party, the, the establishment, you know, the Wall Street Journal editorial page types. It's just they want to go, they want to blame everything on Trump. What about O'Day, their, their back candidate, Colorado, guy got slaughtered. Look, so you're, you're with, I, I try, by the way, I was trying to get this into Ann, but, you know, she she got rolling. And it, the problem with radio is if you try to talk over or, you know, it just turns into crosstalk and we want to respect our audience's ability to hear everything that's being said all the time. But I was going to say, what about Mitch McConnell? Because a lot of people are upset about Mitch McConnell, but that's a, a topic we'll return to. One more before we go to break. By the way, 800-282-2882. We're lines wide open. We want to hear from you across the country on this. Eddie in Virginia. What do you got, Eddie? How you doing? We're great. Uh, you know, I, I, I like Trump and I like his policies and I voted for him. And uh, but I gotta admit, with uh, and uh, I don't think he he uh, should run again because everything's going to be brought back to the uh, stolen election and everything back, and everybody's getting tired of it. I'm getting tired of it. I know a lot of my friends are getting tired. See, of it. So, so Eddie, can we just... who would you who would you vote for? Because you're speaking, I think, for a certain segment of the population as well. Do you have a favorite candidate in 2024 right now? You're a Trump guy, but you're wavering. Uh, I'm assuming you would, like Buck and I, vote for Trump if he's the nominee in 24. But before we get there, there's a primary race. Who is your guy or girl? Do you have somebody that you would prefer to support? I, I like DeSantis. Uh, or, or probably uh, Cruz if he went in on it. Let's. Okay. Uh, look, thank you for calling in, Eddie. And like we said, we want to get... <laughs> A lot of we know all the lines are lit, phones are blowing up, email boxes are filling up. Tell us what you think about this, because let's let's all just this is the eight hundred pound gorilla in the room right now. This is the or the you know the elephant in the living room or pick a large animal, whatever. This is what everybody behind closed doors on the right is discussing, and we're having that conversation out in the open with all of you. We'll get back to it in a second. Eight hundred two eight two two eight eight two. Rising inflation, a volatile stock market wreaking havoc on retirement accounts. Until economic uncertainty turns around, the Phoenix Capital Group suggests you diversify your investments. They're introducing investors to high-value oil and gas investments here in the U.S. with current yields which range from 8% to 11% APY paid monthly. These are corporate bond offerings, and they're open to all investors with annual interest paid monthly. Phoenix Capital Group offers live webinars to learn about Phoenix's business structure, ways they offer security for the offerings, risks, and their financials. They host live Q&As where they'll answer all of your questions. Sign up at investingwithphx.com or call 323-PHOENIX. Investment in bonds has a certain risk. Before making investment decisions, you should carefully consider and review all risks involved. Sign up today at investingwithphx.com. That's investing with phx.com or call 323 phoenix to connect welcome back in clay travis buck sexton show appreciate all of you listening to us as we power through the thursday edition of the program and we are joined now uh by media giant i'd like to be referred to that one day a radio industry veteran uh, Jeff Smolian, uh, he has done an amazing job as the CEO of MS Communications. He's got a brand new book, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, The Ups, Downs, and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. 
Uh, and I, I love this, uh, Jeff, and thank you for coming on with us. You say there's a fine line between a genius and an idiot. Uh, some people would say we walk that line, sometimes straying in both directions on this radio program every day. What have you found in business about that fine line? Well, I, I've said you know that there is a fine line, and I've been on it many sides, many times, both sides. Uh, and I, in the book, I have a chapter, uh, Idiot to Genius, which is the start of WFAN, which was the first all-sports radio station. And all of our guys said it was the single stupidest idea of all time. Uh, Jim Lampley called it the Vietnam War of Emmis, uh, and it was a, kind of a disaster. Uh, and it, since it was my baby, I got needled about it. They called it Smullyan's Folly. And then one day it turned around. We put Don Imus on the air. We had Russo and Francesa. And the next day it was a national success, and I went from idiot to genius. Um, and then after that we bought the Seattle Mariners, and I was kind of the boy wonder out there. And I was signing autographs and, and doing all sorts of interviews, and everybody loved the marketing and the new look of the team, and I was a genius. And then when it didn't work, uh, I became an idiot. And I always said there's nothing worse than being an idiot in front of 40,000 people every night. So that's What's life. the mo- – go ahead, go ahead, uh, Jeff. No, I just say that, that that's what I've learned about life. That's why it's a roller coaster. Sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. You just get to, you know, grit your teeth and smile through all of it. If someone's coming up to you and they say, you know, I think I want to either start a business or take a big risk, you know, an expansion. So some form of of entrepreneurial shift or elevation. If someone's like, I want to do this. Yeah. How do you advise them? Because I know we got a lot of people listening who maybe already have a business or are thinking about starting a business, and they might sit back and say, oh, I don't know, should I really do this? What do you say when people come up to you as somebody who have, have tried things and had big successes but also taken big risks? Well, I, and that's why I wrote the book. I think, listen, I think if you believe in something and you love it um, and you're willing to you know, put it all on the line and have that kind of passion, I think you can be successful. You aren't always successful. But I think, you know, if you if you want to do something, you care passionately enough about it, I think you got to do it. You started Sports Talk Radio, and people right. out there listening know that I came from the Sports Talk Radio universe. You also owned the Seattle Mariners at one point. Right. I'm curious, uh, Buck and I were just talking, this DeSantis versus Trump battle reminds me of Alabama versus Auburn. It reminds me of Ohio State versus Michigan conversations that can take place depending on those marketplaces every single day Yankees Red Sox is another good one where that rivalry is so passionate it fuels the conversation all the time right what did you find about sports talk radio and and a lot of people dream about it but what was it like owning a pro sports franchise well one of my favorite lines was somebody once said every man in America wants to own a major league baseball team except the 28 guys who do (laughs) um but I loved it. We made a lot of friends. I was proud of the work we did in Seattle. I always said we weren't we weren't rich enough to own the Mariners. I joked and said you really had to be a billionaire to own the Mariners or the Kansas City Royals. But if you had a good paper route, you could own the Yankees or the Dodgers. Um, you know, it was just the economics were wildly different in those days. But I loved it. Um, I'm really proud of some of the things, some of the stuff we invented in the ballpark, situational music, movie clips, and contests and games. Uh, you see everywhere now, but it was absolutely revolutionary then. We're speaking to Jeff Smallian. He's the founder and CEO of MS Communications. His book is Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down. Good advice, by the way. The Ups, Downs, and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. Jeff, what are, you, what are the trends that you see right now 
in media. I mean, we're talking to you right now on radio stations across America, but we also have a website, clanbuck.com. We've got podcasts going. We've got streaming video. Um, you know, Clay built a, a sports, uh, digital sports business at OutKick. We both do hits on TV at Fox. And, you know, what do you see as the trajectory right now? I mean, streaming is a big part of the conversation. Subscription service is a big part of the conversation. Where do you see it all going? Well, it's all fragmented so much. And I think, you know, the, the, the biggest challenge of streaming uh, is can you find enough subscribers? Uh, can you find an economic model? It's easier with talk than it is with music because you have giant music royalties, which is why Spotify went into podcasting. Um, you know, so they didn't have to pay the royalties. It is, it, it's a fragmented world. If you, if you follow the streaming services and video, uh, there's a big question as to whether the regional sports networks can survive because so many people have cut the cords. Uh, we have, you know, 340 million people, and everybody's got, you know, f- fragmented places they go. Um, and it, it's hard to know how it'll shake out, only that it's totally different. And you have to sort of be a, a flexible enough to adapt. I think you guys have done a brilliant job, you know, putting your content in a lot of different places. It may work in some places. It may not be profitable in others. But I think we're in an era where you just have to experiment with a lot of different things. We get the question a lot, uh, Jeff, and I appreciate you coming on, and the book sounds really fascinating. If you were talking to a young person today, and, and Buck said, you know, you're interested in entrepreneurship, or but if you were interested in moving into media, what would you tell them is the most important thing they should be learning in order to train themselves going forward? Well, again, I think there's two things. I think, number one, um, the most important thing is your word. When you work with somebody, if, if, you, if they know your word is good and they trust you, that, that helps you an awful lot in any enterprise. I don't care whether it's you know, starting a job or being married or having kids or, or having friends. Uh, I also think, again, you have to have the passion. Uh, I, I tell people starting out when you get a new job, volunteer for more stuff. More people can count on you, and the more you, know, you, know, you are willing to go out and do things, the more you move up you know, the food chain. No doubt. The book is fabulous. We need to have you on uh, maybe somewhere down the line. Again, we appreciate all the support you've shown for this show, and we would encourage everybody out uh, there to go make sure that they check it out. Uh, the book, again, Never Ride a Roller Coaster Upside Down, The Ups, Downs, and Reinvention of an Entrepreneur. On the way out, I'll let you say this. You obviously have an incredible uh, uplifting sort of mindset about you. How much of your success do you think is internal based on the energy that you put out into the world for everybody out there in terms of their own lives? Well, I think it's internal because I think you have to have a spark. Although I've said, somebody said, what's it take to be an entrepreneur? I said, look, we're all the entrepreneurs of our own lives. You know, that we really are. I think part of it's internal. Part of it is I've been fortunate to work with people my whole career who I just love and who make me look smarter than I am every day. And that helps a lot. No doubt. Jeff Smallian is the author. We encourage you to go check out his book. Thank you for the time today, sir. Thanks. Thanks, guys. It's great. Thank you. No doubt. Uh, We're here every day to let you know uh, to try to make sure that you don't have to ever visit the post office again, especially. You know what I was doing yesterday, Buck? I had to go to the post office to get my kids' passports. You have to be there. And I thought to myself as I saw the long lines of people spiraling out the door to get their packages shipped, 
oh man, I'm glad that I've got stamps.com. This time of year, there are massive lines, as you all well know, at post offices all over the country. And for businesses, that can be really frustrating because you've got to get your product out to your consumers. You know, there's more than a million businesses relying on Stamps.com. We use it at OutKick. It's fabulous. They will print out postage and provide up-to-date pricing on packages you want to ship via USPS or UPS. Stamps.com will help you make sure that you make the best decision. It's amazing. I was blown away when I started my business how much it costs to ship product, whether it's books, uh, whether it's shirts. Lost a lot of money in pants back in the day. Uh, this was wild to me how much shipping cost and stamps.com can help to alleviate those costs for you. Go to stamps.com right now. Give it a look. Use our names, Clay and Buck. You get a special offer, four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No contracts, no long-term commitments. Stamps.com. Use our names, Clay and Buck. And when you're online, make sure you click that microphone at the top of the page, enter Clay and Buck to save yourself some money. That's Stamps.com. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast. And this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my from this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, oh, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of Rappaport's reality, the reality of us. We're figuring out. And if we had been recording these last 
four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the juicy. podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. There are some areas, Clay, where I can assert a degree of uncredentialed but absolute expertise. I have the equivalent, in my mind at least, of a PhD in action movies. I grew up, I had VHS tapes that I watched until they were falling apart of all the Schwarzenegger movies, all the, all the, the Stallone movies. I was more of a Schwarzenegger guy, I'm going to be honest, um, but... You know, Young Guns with I find Emilio Estevez's Young Guns one of finest, the greatest movies of the eighties. His finest, a very underrated western for what it is. Young I, Guns we, I two these, also really good. Both of those are yes, underrated. The, the Young Guns was an excellent franchise. I think there was there a third one. I don't even remember I now. Don't but remember if there was a third. But one. also all the all the various martial arts action movies. You know, Van Damme. I, I celebrated Van Damme's whole catalog, and he's a very interesting character as we see later on in life. I bring all of this up. Because Jennifer Lawrence, Jennifer Lawrence has come out to say that she was the first. And you're like, isn't she from, is she from Nashville? What's with all these? uh, Louisville, I believe. Oh, Louisville. Okay. I thought she's a Kentuckian. Yeah. So she's a Kentucky. So close, close by. So you you have to take, you and your folks here in that region have to take responsibility. I will take all responsibility for SEC state shenanigans. I I think that's fair. Yeah, she, you know, because she's lovely, but her politics, not so good. She spoke out in an interview in, Mar- in Variety, and she said um, that she w- nobody ever put, this is the quote, nobody ever put a woman in the lead of an action movie because it wouldn't work, because we were told girls and boys can both identify with the male lead, but boys cannot identify with a female lead. I'm sorry, but Ripley from Alien and Aliens would like to have a word, among other female actions. I'm sorry, Linda Hamilton in Terminator, Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. You know, if you're going to mouth off and try to get social justice points or whatever, wokeness points, don't don't make it so easy for us. You know what I mean? It, Come on. It, it's also disappointing, I would say, only in the context of if you are a movie buff, to say nothing of a movie star, you would think you would have seen Aliens and Terminator because they're two of the most iconic films of that of the 70s. I think Aliens 80s, is right? one of the one of the ten best action movies of that of that period. Honestly, I think Aliens. What year is did phenomenal. Aliens come out? Like eighty one. Oh, you know, Alien came out. I think eighty. I think Aliens was later, like eighty five or eighty six. But the team can check for us. But yeah, yeah. Sigourney but so Weaver was phenomenal in both. Nineteen. I, I was thinking even maybe, maybe late seventies, but both of those are nineteen eighties or late 70s iconic films, right? Um, And to not be familiar with those is embarrassing for Jennifer Lawrence, who seems totally normal and also simultaneously... Oh, Alien didn't come out until 1986. Okay, so that was like later than I thought. I mean, I'm not a a, uh, Quentin Tarantino fan, for example. Like, I don't like most of his movies. Uma Thurman, though? Yes, Uma Thurman Kill in Bill. Kill Bill. Kill Bill, I think, is actually his most watchable movie for what it is. And uh, and Kill Bill, Uma Thurman, is is excellent in that. Lara Croft, Lara as in Mrs. Travis. Yes. Lara Croft, the Tomb Raider movies. I mean, there's so many. It's just, I, I, but this thing, even she's made, Clay, she's made tens of millions of dollars. And, you know, she's won, she won the genetics lottery. She's quite dollars. lovely. And, uh, you know, physically. 
and she's got to whine and complain and make it seem like women have it so hard in films. Really? That's where we're going now? Give me a break. Let me clarify this because we're going to get blown up. Alien came out in 1979. Okay. Aliens came out in 1986, which there I believe go. was the sequel, right? Yep. So, uh, so Ripley, 1989, the original Alien. Um, and I think also Aliens, one of the best sequels of all time, up there with Terminator 2, The Godfather 2. Aliens is an enhancement to the franchise. Unfortunately, it went substantially downhill from there. I'm still trying to think about all the different women action leads. There have actually been so many of them. It's a willful ignorance. And also, I would say this. I don't know who did the interview and who did the story, but this is also an example of just totally, if you're writing about movies, when she said that as the interviewer, there should have been some pushback. And there should have been like, well, you know, Sigourney Weaver, pretty big deal. Uh, and, uh, and and you're kind of stepping on Linda Hamilton and what she did in Terminator. Those are big female-led uh, action movies. I mean, well. for some, some folks may even remember from the Conan the Barbarian era, Red Sonja, which I think was a B-movie, but she's swinging a sword around and stuff. Hey, I'm, I was a big He-Man guy. They did bring out She-Ra to try to appeal to all, of, and they See? made a movie about it too, I think. Wasn't there the, was it the Bionic Man or the Bionic Woman, or was there both? I think they did both. I think they did both, too. So this, this is, you know, it's ridiculous. But every, Clay, it's not enough to be rich and famous. You have to also be beloved for your political stances these days, which is just a shame. Do your kids, by the way, do they, the boys, do they like the Hunger Games? Is that a thing still that people read? We haven't watched any of the Hunger Games. I think those are, to be fair, like kind of R-rated, aren't they? I mean, they're pretty I, th- I think so. I'm having the Hunger Games right now. I'm pretty hungry. I'm going to go get a sandwich. That's not a bad move. It's a pretty good movie, by the way, The Hunger Games. It's disappointing because I like Jennifer Lawrence in that film. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. 